0: To another edition of the Lashing Out Podcast on Nittany Sports Now Network. He's Kevin Quigley. I'm Jared Pragar Kevin, Penn State was off this weekend, and that's probably for the best. They have a chance to get a get right game against UMass this weekend, which should be should set up really nicely for them going into the shoe next Saturday afternoon. But Penn State to me is right where they want to be. They haven't really wowed everybody defensively they've been impressive offensively. There's been much to be desired, but honestly, I think that's by design.
1: Yeah. And you hit the nail on the head. That defense is top two, top three in the nation. There are not many defenses out there in the country who have been able to string together an impressive performance. Like they have over five straight games and the offense has just been keeping their, their cards close to their chest. They've, they've had some, really good games like West Virginia and obviously against Delaware. And then uh, the performances against Northwestern and Iowa left a lot to be desired. So they have this get right game. And I think for fans, we really lucked out that Penn state was on a bye week this week.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot that happened around the country. And I think we'll talk to that, talk about that a little bit later, but for Penn state, I mean, we talk about how dominant the defense has been and they have been very, very impressive. One of the top defenses, if not the best defense in the country, but th- it gets harder. It does not get easier for the Nittany Lions after the bye week. Yes, UMass is UMass. That should be a pretty easy game for them. Again, we're not going to see anything complex. And we haven't seen anything complex outside of the three DNs playing D-line, like all, all three D-linemen um, at, at one time. But other than that, we haven't really seen anything overly complex by the by the Penn State defense either. And there's been no need to. You know, you, you mentioned Northwestern and you mentioned mentioned Iowa, and they're still winning by multiple possessions. They're still winning by double digits. So, you know, as it, it, frustrating as it can be sometimes when they struggle or seemingly struggle, um, it, they're still doing a very, very very good job of winning football games and and getting over thirty points. You know, when you have to figure that barometer out, right? And and what is the definition of Unsuccessful. Well, they're putting up points. that they're playing three way complimentary football, offense, defense, and special teams. But yet they're still more out there, and I think that's kind of what's frustrating at times. If you're a Penn State fan, there's still what you can see is is more to to be out there and more that that can be attained for that Penn State offense, and honestly that defense too. Because I think once Ohio State rolls around, once Maryland and Notre and not Notre Dame but Michigan roll around. um then that's when things are going to expand. That's when the playbook expands. That's when that lack of threat with the deep ball is going to matter. Now, it hasn't mattered yet, and I and I do think a lot of it is by design, but at the same time, you know, that's when – if it's not happening against Ohio State or those other teams, that's when you have to be worried about that.
1: Yeah, and the defense playing the three defensive ends on the defensive line, that's pure genius from Manny Diaz, Right. Defensive tackle was arguably the weakest spot of this team coming into the season. The O-line was stacked. Running back room stacked. You know what Drew Aller could do. Wide receiver room we thought was stacked. Then every position group on defense. DN, linebacker, cornerback, safety. Every group except D-tackle was good. Well, they've got six defensive ends who can all probably start at how many other top 25 teams? 20, 24 other top, top, top 25 teams. They're at least competing for a starting spot there. And he puts them all he puts three of them on the field at all times. And then you have a two deep rotation all game long. Good luck starting, good luck stopping three marquee pass rushers, marquee run stoppers. I mean, they just have caused a lot of havoc. And I think it's just pure genius from Manny Diaz. He knows where he has his athletes. It's kind of like when they had Ma- Micah Parsons. It's kind of like how they have Abdul Carter now. Just let them go be dudes. And
0: they they've been yeah, able man. to do that. And you're absolutely right. Yeah, no, I'm sorry to cut you off there, but you're absolutely right, Kevin. It, that's the thing. Like, he's letting the defense fly to the ball and fly around. I mean, they are dominant. And, and, like, we saw them play against West Virginia. Okay, that's pretty dominant. We saw them play, you know, against Iowa, and you're like, whoa. Like, that is really, 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 really dominant. And, you know, of course, those are sort of outliers, but at the same time, you know, that's how Penn State has played you know they don't give up a lot of yards at the moment um yeah is that going to change absolutely but I think you know against Ohio State uh not to put it not to look past UMass but I don't think that Adam the Adam Brenneman bowl is going to be a factor here it's going to be one of those situations where I'm very interested to see an Ohio State matchup with this Penn State defense because Ohio State hasn't looked great they as much like Penn State but I think to a lesser to a higher extent have not been fun- fully functional offensively again they've had probably a little bit tougher of a schedule just given the fact that they played Notre Dame but West Virginia is starting to prove that that was a pretty big matchup uh with their winning streak uh but yeah that's that's what I'm excited to see is is really everything start to open up for both sides of the football. And I think the best is yet to come um, on both sides.
1: Yeah. And they're just stacked athletically on defense. You said they're letting them fly. I mean, that's probably one of the most, uh, I'm not, again, not trying to speak in hyperbole, but that's probably one of the most athletic defenses in college football as well. They're not rolling out the purple people, purple people eaters. Uh, Since it's almost Halloween time, we can pull that reference back, but they're not rolling that, that kind of defense out. It's just a bunch of dudes who are six foot to six, five, just, freak athletes that are all running four or five or better and it's like man good luck good luck outflanking them if even if they get out of position and then yeah you mentioned ohio state their win against notre dame starting to not look that good at all
0: right i mean notre dame that's a game they should have lost
1: yeah and notre dame looks being a free fall and we're gonna see what the athletes on the offense can do and I I think there's going to be some prime opportunity. They've, they've shown that they don't really have a second wide receiver in the absence of Trey Wallace, who we think will be back this week. Uh, we'll talk about that more in our pregame show for UMass, but man, we got, they got three tight ends. That tight end room is three deep. You can roll two wide receiver, two tight end and a running back, throw a singles in out there. I mean, you got five athletes who, who are arguably could go in the first round, um, or three of them could go in the first round being the two tight ends and the running back. And maybe KLS is a late first round, early second round pick. So you can match Ohio state on talent on offense. And then their defense is just so athletic. It's just going to be, I'm, I'm so looking forward to that game, not to look past the 3:30 matchup against UMass, but um, the, the Ohio state game is really, it's going to set up the conference for the rest of the year. And if James Franklin wins that game, it's probably going to be the biggest win of his career.
0: Yeah and I and absolutely you know if you look at things like that it's uh in in the green scheme of things like the the top 5 is very vulnerable i think Georgia has at times shown that they're capable of losing um even though they haven't yet lost um Michigan i think has looked the best but they are also playing a schedule that is not great um and then you look at you know now Oklahoma who who got bumped up because they took down Texas I don't necessarily agree with that. They jumped nine spots. Um, but again, Oklahoma has looked beatable. You have you see Ohio State, they have looked vulnerable. Florida State, I don't necessarily think they're the number five ranked team in the country. So this is a year that Penn State has to maximize on where they're at. This is the year to do it. And we're going to talk a little bit more about what's at stake um, for the Big Ten with the rest of the season. Because the rest of the season for the Big Ten gets spicy. And it is going to be pure insanity with the way that the things are going. But again, Penn State's just got to take care of business. They've done that so far. Offensively, they're doing okay. They're doing good enough. They're not great by any means. But again, we've seen a pretty, pretty base offense. Defensively, they've been dominant. Again, and that's still pretty vanilla. But I would expect expect things to get ramped up here relatively quickly. As big time play starts to unfold. But I really like how this, how the schedule kind of works out. You play your first five games or so. Um, you play your first five games, then you get a bye week, then you get a little tune up, and then you go right into Ohio State. And that, I think, is a really, really nice setup for the Nitty Lions.
1: Yeah. And if people are questioning your offense when you've won the last two games by 31 and 28 points, uh, I think the vanilla office is doing just, just fine
0: no I, I absolutely agree um but it'll be interesting to see how this goes i think there's a lot of a lot of things uh that that can happen and, and that will happen and we're going to talk about that a little bit more when we come back on this break on the Latching out podcast on the esports now network second segment of the lashing out podcast and the Now network i'm jared he's kevin kevin like i said the big 10 gets wild here coming up in the next few weeks you've got you already had a little bit of that with ohio state and maryland they were both undefeated ohio maryland had them right where they wanted them for a little bit and then a couple de- choice decisions by mike Loxley um kind of throttled any chances of uh of a, an upset there but now Penn state goes to Ohio state for a game at the horseshoe in two weeks. That is, I think the most important part. That game is at noon, big noon Yeah, So that's great. It's going to be a six hour contest on Fox, but that's going to take a little bit of the atmosphere out of it. It's supposed to be very, very red. Um, maybe it's the horseshoe and Taylor's era. I don't really know uh, to to steal some things from the NFL there, but That, I think, plays to Penn State's favor. Get up. And Ohio State has not been a great first-half team. Neither has Penn State. Um, And they're not known for getting on teams early by any means. But go in, show up, and get ready to go. Uh, But at the same time, Penn State's also got to play Michigan. Thankfully for them, it's at home. They've also got Michigan State. And that's down the road. That's the last game of the season. But Ohio State still has to play Michigan and Michigan still has to play Ohio State and there's just so much that can happen because let's say that Penn State loses to Ohio State in the horseshoe which is fairly likely then they win against Michigan well now they're 11 and 1 that would make Michigan 11 and 1 and if say Michigan beats Ohio State they too are 11 and 1 and that's that's just in the same division which is absurd anyway but that is, I think one of the crazier things that could happen down the road. Will that happen? I don't know, but I do think it's pretty likely.
1: Yeah. And they, Maryland or excuse me, Michigan and Penn state both still have to play Maryland who proved up to Ohio state this past weekend. So there's, there's a chance that Maryland could screw this whole thing up as being a five and one team. And if Maryland beats Penn state and Michigan, unlikely, but say they go to and then we get a four and 11 one. I don't think Maryland's of that quality, but Maryland can really play spoiler to either Penn State or Michigan late in the season um and yeah if if all team if all three teams Penn State, Michigan and Ohio State all finish at 11 and one with a loss against a common conference opponent they have to, big Ten has to go all the way down to like the fifth or sixth tiebreaker, which then starts comparing their records of the of the Western division teams that they played which I think Penn state has the lead on right now, but I mean, there's still a lot of football to play, but we're down to the sixth tiebreaker. It's just absurd. Uh, what is it next year? When a USC and UCLA come in that there will not be divisions and we'll just take the top two records. And then that kind of gets a little bit squirrely there, but that'll probably actually, they'll probably simplify the process of the top two records. Of the conference, but
0: well, it eliminates the terribleness that is the Big Ten West, right? You know, you look at Penn State's remaining schedule, Big Ten wise. Uh, Indiana has as many losses as as Ohio State, Maryland, and Rutgers, and Michigan combined. Of course, Penn, Ohio State and Rutgers, or Ohio State, and Michigan are undefeated. Maryland has one loss. Rutgers has two losses. Um, then you look at Michigan State; it has it's also two and three just like Indiana, but there's just so much that is, is going to happen. Um, and I think that's, what's, that's, what's crazy. You know, Penn state schedule is tough. Don't get me wrong, but you look at the big 10 West and you've got Wisconsin right now. That's two and zero in the conference. You've got Iowa, that's two and one. Then everybody else is below 500 Northwestern, Minnesota, Nebraska, all and Purdue, all one and two Illinois. Oh, and three. Then you look at it's the complete opposite in the Big Ten East, with you got Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State, all undefeated. Maryland's got two, one or one loss. Rutgers two, Iowa, and then Indiana, Michigan State. Michigan State are are winless. But again, you know the Big Ten is is it's going to come down to those three matchups between Penn State, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, and or I'm sorry, two matchups. But it'll be interesting to see really how they play out because. When you look at things from a schedule perspective, Ohio State's got Purdue this weekend. Um, they've got Penn State next weekend when they're they're at Wisconsin, at Rutgers, home against Michigan State, home against Minnesota, and then they're at the Big House. Like for for Penn State to want to get to the Big Ten Championship again, they've got to take care of business against Ohio State. They have to win at the Shoe. And control their destiny. The team that controls their destiny is in the best seat moving forward.
1: Yeah, and then Michigan follows up. They're, they finish out the season Penn State, Maryland, Ohio State. That's kind of a gauntlet. Maryland's that fast-rising team. is in his 12th season of college football. I think it has to be his last at this point in time. Um, Ohio State, Purdue is I mean, Ohio State's got to go on the road for a noon kickoff 11 a.m body clock and actual clock because it's going to be central time on peacock like going to be zero hype for this game i mean we remember the penn state delaware game it was delaware but like is anyone getting up for a a peacock game like the buzz on campus the buzz around the school like they've got to be looking forward to next week against penn state as well so just the the big 10 is set to it's set to be a battle. And like you said, the team that controls their own destiny is it. And I said earlier, this this could be James Franklin's if they if he goes to Columbus and wins, it's probably the biggest win of his career. And it's way bigger than 2016 because 2016 is unex, unexpected. They're right. gonna be they're gonna be expected to go to win. They're not gonna be favored, but the fan base is going to expect them to go to Ohio State and win. Especially with how Ohio and, State has looked so far this year. Yeah, Rather no, uninspiring. This is-
0: this is a must-win game for Penn State. They have got to win this game. And number one, it's important for the program. You have to show that you can beat Ohio State and not on a fluke. Like, the block six is one of the best plays in Penn State history, but we all know how fluky block field goals are, you know, no matter how accurate you are under 40. But you've got to go into the horseshoe. And and the, the, the thing is, it's not that Penn State hasn't performed at the horseshoe. They've played well. They've played well there in situations where they are – Are in position to win in the second half, but something has always happened, or 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 they let the game get away from them, and they should have beat Ohio State last year if Sean Clifford didn't do Sean Clifford things, right? The Sean Clifford experience, tm.
1: But that was our first podcast. Post game, Sean Clifford experience. Sorry to
0: interrupt. Yeah, that's right. No, no, that was very, very well worth it. But yeah, I mean, go in there and take care of business. You're expect you're expected to compete. And honestly, they might they're they're going to be underdogs, but it would not be a shock for them to win. And that's what they need to do. They need to go through and continue to take everything. Um, it's gonna be a really, really good situation for them going into a game against Indiana, which is a potential trap, but also then hosting Maryland or hosting Michigan, going to Maryland, um they're going to maryland and hosting michigan i should say um and then you know the Rutgers and then the prestigious land grant trophy but penn state's in a really really good spot and the big 10 is very very top heavy the big 10 east heavy um there's no disrespect to the to most of the teams in the big 10 west but let's be real um not not great and it hasn't been great which is why i'm super glad that they're going to to abandon the the divisions unless they went with the Pacific Coast conference. Um I think that would be great for some of the for some of the teams in the Big Ten. Um but again just go out and take care of business and let let the rains free. Let it let it rain and let it let the offense come to you. Be it be comfortable in it. And same thing with defense, dial it up a notch. And, and get to a position – like, people are taking Penn State to go to the national title game. People are taking them to be in the playoff. This is the perfect opportunity to do so. This is going to help James Franklin validate his contract, validate the, issue, the what they're doing recruiting-wise, validate the um, the NIL stuff, and prove how good a coach James Franklin can be. Can you get your team ready to play at noon in Columbus? First, though, you got to get through UMass, and that's a whole other situation. Can you get your team ready knowing the season is on the line just a week away?
1: How massive of
0: a win for recruiting would winning at Ohio state be just huge. But enormous. I, but I, think it's, I think it's minimized though, because it's a new game. And I think that's where it plays into Alto- or not Altoona. I'm so used to color commentary now, but it's where it c- comes into Altoona's favor or Penn State's favor. I even said it. And then it, uh, it did that. Speaking of Altoona, Kevin Gibbons, fumble recovery in a sack against uh, Dallas Cowboys last night. I'll tune it's own. But nice little shameless plug. Um, as we go on, I don't want to talk about the rest of the Cowboys game. Um, fell asleep in the first quarter, which I'm glad no, I didn't. I'm happy much. to elaborate on that game. but uh, I'm good. We're, uh, we're good, man.
1: Yeah. But, uh, again, it's just massive it, game, but Fox is ruining college football with noon games.
0: Yeah, and so I have a conspiracy. And I talked about this on on the Behind the Curtain podcast or other podcasts here on the sports network but i i do feel like this game shouldn't have been at noon last week now obviously fox has a ton of money they run the big 10 network so of the big 10 they get their nice little first pick and penn state michigan is already at noon well these teams and i think it's ohio state michigan and penn state all don't want to play each other at night it's a great atmosphere for college football we all love that as fans all not necessarily as writers. I don't, I'm, I'm actually super glad the game's at noon because I'll be actually able to watch football and other things throughout the day, which is, which is phenomenal. And that's like one of the coolest things for me though. But at, at the same time, you know, you, you don't want to play the other team there. You don't want your season to be on the line in prime time at your, at your opponent's place. And it's just one of those situations where I think now they're starting to realize, hey, if they're willing to play this at noon, they're going to do this all around. You know, Ohio State Michigan is always at noon, but and that's Penn last State... week of the
1: season, it should be at noon. But yeah, like right. that... Fox has a primetime window. They've had primetime window for years. Why the hell can't we get a primetime game? Yeah. Especially next weekend because it's not November. Anywho, yeah. you want to talk about contenders on the rest of college football?
0: Yeah, we're going to talk about a... that when we when we come back from the, from a quick little break here on the Nittany Sports Now Network. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the Lashing Out podcast on Nittany Sports Now Network. He's Kevin. I'm Jared. Kevin, a crazy weekend in college sports. Tell me what you saw. Tell me what, what you're, what you're loving about it.
1: Honestly, man, the best week of the season to for Penn state to be on a buy. I know you were soaking and basking in the glory of the return of Robert Morris hockey. And I'm congratulations to you for helping, helping bring that back to the fruition. But man, what a weekend in college football, top 25 matchups all across the board. We doubted Georgia, oh, excuse me, <laughs> I'm not going to put that on you. I doubted Georgia's number one team in the country. Carson Beck said, Beck, I got this. Zero, zero competition against Kentucky. Kentucky showed up to Athens, Georgia, and had absolutely not a damn thing ready for him." Carson Beck, 389 yards, four touchdowns and a pick. Brock Bauer, seven receptions, 132 yards. Seven receptions for 132 yards is a tight end. Dude, put him in the Heisman. I, I think he's in the Heisman race. Uh, he's he's going to New York in, in December. You can put a stamp on that one. He's it, What tight end is getting national media coverage except Brock Bowers? Michigan handled Minnesota, no problem. But let's get to the game of the week. Oklahoma, Texas, the Red River shootout, now sponsored by Allstate because apparently college football games need freaking sponsorships. But how about Gabriel? going into this Texas State Fair and showing down with Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers, those two first pick, two first first-half picks, and just Texas never got to go. And anytime Sarkeesian lose, I love it. I don't know why. I got a soft spot for Oklahoma. They got Brett Venables over there as head coach. But, man, anytime Steve Sarkeesian and Texas lose, it's, it's just a great day in college football.
0: Yeah, you know, horns down, right? Texas maybe isn't as bad as people give them credit for. But, you know, you mentioned Georgia. Kentucky is like that every year, right? There's hype, there's hype, there's hype, and then there's that letdown game, and everybody buys into that hype, and then ultimately they let you down, and Georgia came ready. That's the best that that Kirby Smart has had those guys looking all season. But I think what's also important is they have to peak later in the season. They have to peak ready for the SEC championship game, right? Um, Notre Dame laid another egg which was impressive talk about over team um, always
1: being overrated.
0: Yeah. Right. Um, I could talk about that all day, but they even lost again with all their players, um, once again, but you just, and, and it doesn't get any easier for them, right? You, you're, they're going to have, um, a date with USC coming up. USC looks vulnerable. They went to three or two or three overtimes three. against Arizona. And that's not great, uh, for, for the Trojans, you know, there's tell you, just so much that's that's going on right now, and it's insane.
1: I tell you what, that kid Noah Fafita for Arizona. I watched the full game highlights because I was not staying up for Pac-12 after dark. Um That dude Noah Fafita, redshirt freshman for Arizona, a bit undersized, five eleven, one ninety four, but that dude went toe to toe with Caleb Williams and said, "Let's go," and got it back to overtime. And I believe they scored. Arizona tied it up late to force OT. Um, so I mean. Yeah, they tied it up with uh no two missed field goals at the end. I ah, I'm tripping. Anyways, that was a that was a great game. I watched like the 30 minute highlight version of that game. Another Pac-12 game. Colorado. Narrowly escapes. Yes. Narrowly escapes. And then Shador's flexing win, his baby. watch. I mean, I'm all for showing off. Yeah. I'm all for showing off, but we're flexing against Arizona State like nearly losing hey, on the road. Listen, stay, stay
0: true to your brand. Listen, he's getting paid a lot of money to wear that watch.
1: Yes, he is. You know, stay true to the brand. He paid 70 grand um, for it. It's probably making yeah, a
0: lot of money to be there's to just wear. There's just so, so much that can happen, right? You know, the Maryland-Ohio State game was pretty close. We mentioned that. Um, Maryland, had a th- really good. Maryland had
1: a third quarter lead in that game.
0: Yeah, and then it just got, it went haywire. And that's okay. Like that's gonna happen. And I don't know that that Maryland was particularly ready for that moment. Um, But you look at a team like North Carolina. They don't. They destroyed Syracuse. Um, North Carolina is still undefeated, and that's that's a problem in the ACC. The ACC can get kind of crazy here too because you got Florida State in there. You know Miami blowing that. Not even Miami. That's on Mario Cristobal. Um, what a with what not a taking a knee to end the season, like what an idiot. Um, and and thank thank whoever for at Miami for forcing Manny Diaz out. Uh, that's phenomenal because now obviously Manny Diaz is there, but Mario Cristobal, what and that's not the first time that that's happened for him, which is not a shock by any means. It happened in Oregon as well. But there's so much vulnerability. I, I do think that there are probably about six teams that could be in that top one spot, which is impressive. So it's going to be one of those situations where
1: uh, Jimmy Johnson had a
0: hand in forcing Manny Diaz out. Hey man, I've I've never like I have seen Gale force wins and you know, him coaching in like category three hurricanes, his hair never moved. It's the, it's like the eighth wonder of the world. But that doesn't mean he's any he's any good at, at making those types of decisions. It takes a lot, um, you know, to win at the collegiate level. Manny Diaz, by any means, I don't think that was his fault. But, again, you know, Mer- Miami is kind of a tire fire at times. Um, Cristobal coached them out of that game, uh, which is incredible. There is a clip going around Twitter or X or however you want to say it, but they – um, <laughs> they showed that his, his offensive line coach was telling him, take a knee, take a knee, and they ignored the offensive line coach, which I'm sure that was a great Sunday meeting type. But again, back to the rest of the college football landscape, it's so vulnerable. I think there are six teams, depending on how things go, that could be in that top four, um, and, and probably even more after that, after things kind of shake out. And I think Penn State is one of those teams. You know, I, I've seen quite a bit of Penn State football this year, it's going to be if they can win in Ohio State, that's going to put them at the top, and that's going to put them top two, top three in the country. You that know, makes them look jump Oklahoma. Up, Oklahoma.
1: That makes them jump up Oklahoma. That puts them yeah, in number in,
0: and, and, and honestly, like depending on where Ohio State is, right? Like you, they could put them at the top at number one. Um, and that's and that's what's crazy because that's a six three six four matchup depending on on how that how things shake out this week but you look at Oklahoma they beat Texas and they jumped from 12 to three so who knows it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out
1: man the ACC race is nuts top three teams all undefeated all three teams have to play Duke
0: and Duke's good Louisville should have beaten Notre Dame
1: Louisville Florida state, and North Carolina all have to play Duke at some point in time, various home road schedules. I can't get into that because I can't remember. Not my, not my schedule. To remember, but ACC is something to watch, man. There could be three teams undefeated at the top and Louisville would have the most impressive win. Um, cause Clemson is kind of shit the bed this year. Uh, and then just to wrap up college rankings, Georgia went from 35 first place votes last week to 50 this week. So the pollsters agree that uh georgia is number one ranked team in the country and i still want to know who the hell is voting florida state number one they have one first place they're down from four they're down from four but who the hell is voting for florida state number one i I just that's even homer bias aside there's no way florida state is i can guarantee you they're not better than georgia and michigan guarantee
0: No, no not even close and it's and that's the crazy thing right like you look at the it's like that dragon meme that's on Facebook where or on Twitter all the time where it's like what two of them look normal and then the other one looks like googly eyed and crazy well that's Florida State like and that meme that is that is Florida State and that's just you know you've gotta they have not impressed by any means I like, like I'm not quite sure how they ended up here to begin with Hi. um but yeah and that's where preseason rankings come in, but yeah, you know, go see what happens here. And there's so much football that's left to be played so much that Penn state has to accomplish as well. And it's just one of those things, man, you know, you know, I'm looking at the, um, at the guy that um, voted Florida state, number one, that's uh, St- Stefan Krasisnik. Um, he's a Mississippi State beat writer. So that I I mean at least that's not a the Homer type thing. So, so but um, they did
1: have a Homer vote. So it's good that even the Homer has jumped off the bandwagon. I forget who it was. It was a Florida yeah, State now combo the,
0: writer. Yeah, he's still um number he's they still have them at number two, which that is again absurd. But hey, what do we know? We just talk about college football. So, hey, there's only so much that can happen. Kevin, let's get to what's the bet this week for us.
1: Uh, We'll do that on Wednesday. How about it? My last shout out. Sorry to derail you. Last shout out. Kansas ranked 23rd ranked team in the country now. Impressive. Jalen Daniels was out again against UCF. 51 carries, 399 yards on the ground. That is not three yards in a cloud of dust. That is an impressive ground game showing against UCF, which was a conference game because I forgot that UCF is in the Big Twelve. Because
0: oh, that's right. Welcome
1: to college football in twenty
0: twenty three. That's right. I remember when UCF was self appointed national champions. Hey I man, they got it. a ba- they got a banner for it. They have all kinds of stuff around their stadium. It's incredible. But for Kevin Quigley, this has been Jared Prugar. We'll catch you again later this week on the Lashing Out podcast on the Nitty Sports Now network. Thank you as always for listening.